Hi everyone and welcome to the second episode of How We Got Here, UVM Stories featuring Harrison Wolf, a 2014 graduate of the University of Vermont. And I'm really excited about this episode because Harrison is in a very unique position right now. He's at his career's in transition. He's had a you know really great run so far, but he wanted to step back and take some time to figure out what he truly wants to do in the future. And he's very transparent in his college experience. He ended up having to take a year and a half off to remove himself from the situations that he was in, come back fresh, really figure himself out. And it's there's just a lot of really great nuggets in here. We really break down how to leverage a network, how to set up a coffee meeting, how to have those conversations. And we talk a lot about things that both students and alumni can start doing right now to help improve themselves and, and to help build their network. The theme here is really embracing transition. And I really wanted to feature someone who is still in, in that process because I think we all are and, and we can all agree that change is always a constant throughout your career. So great conversation, a lot of really good nuggets and, and you know I'm really excited for you to listen to it. So let's dive in. Hey Harrison, welcome to the show, man. I'm, I'm happy to have you. Thanks so much, John. Good morning. I'm happy to be here. I'm, I'm really excited about this, not only because we work together, but also because I, I think that you have a really great story and you're going to have some really great stuff for, for both students and alumni. And so just to start off, I, I want to dig into your, your origin story, where you're from, what your major was in college, and, and let's talk a little bit about how you ended up at the University of Vermont. Yeah. So, you know, interestingly enough, I grew up in Florida, um, in central Florida, not really anything special but just knew I wanted to get out of there. So when it came time for college, I applied pretty much all over the country. My mom had seen University of Vermont when she was actually doing a college tour with a cousin of mine from the Northeast. And she was like, oh, you might like this. You should check it out. And I never really checked it out. But, you know, I went once on a visiting day in, I think, the spring and was totally sold. I'd never really seen, you know, huge mountains and next to the lake and anything like that. And I was just blown away. And then... When acceptance criteria came back, when I got my acceptance letters, UVM was the farthest away from Florida that gave me the most money. And so we just sent it. So you said you knew you had to get out of there. Are there any more more details around that? Was it you just needed to try something new or, or what was sort of the catalyst there? <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I just wasn't doing a, a whole ton. I mean, no one really, not nobody, but especially the people I knew in Florida weren't doing a ton towards the end of high yeah. school. And then you know, the people I was hanging out with were really destined to do a whole lot of nothing. You know, I look back yeah. on some of my high school friends now and they're, you know, they're not living very fulfilled lives by even their own standards. And, you know, that everything's different and unique to, to each individual. But for me, I just, you know, I like to surround myself with people who are pushing themselves. You know, I, I never like being, or I should say, I want to be the dumbest guy in any room. And that certainly wasn't the case in Florida. Uh, sort of the circle I was hanging out with there. And so I knew I wanted to get out and, you know, I, I had gone on a couple big hiking trips and things like that. And there was not a lot of that in Florida either. So just an opportunity to live somewhere else, try something different, you know, reinvent yourself if that's what you're into or if that's what your, your goal is. But yeah, I couldn't say enough good things about taking that leap and going somewhere completely out of my comfort zone. I think that that sort of pays dividends in all aspects of your life. Where in, in the neighborhood I grew up in, 
a lot of the people that I was around, I, I love them and they're great human beings, but they just didn't have the same ambitions and aspirations. So I think that that's great. Coming from Florida to Vermont, it's a little colder up here, but uh, why don't we talk now? I mean, what, what was your major? Did you know what it was going in? Can you talk a little bit about that experience as you were trying to figure out what you wanted to do after school totally you know, when it comes to the academics i mean it changed a thousand times right and like the 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 amount that your brain changes your ambitions your goals all that uh from 18 to 22 you're, you're still a kid even at 22 you don't really know and you don't even know that you don't know until later which is kind of like the paradox of life but yeah when i when i started i think i wanted to before i even went to college i wanted to, to join the air force and be an air force operator my parents basically begged me not to do that and so then i I came into UVM as a double major in psychology and uh, sociology. And then I did some peer counseling and realized that I have some of the worst qualities a therapist or, or a psychiatrist can have. I couldn't keep a secret and I was super judgmental. So I'd be leaving these therapy sessions with people and I'd be like going home to talk to my friends or my girlfriend at the time and be like, wow, you won't believe what this kid told me. And they're like, you can't really do that as a therapist. So... I pivoted and I had an affinity for tech, for, for computers, things like that. Played a lot of games in high school. I, I was very fortunate to grow up with a computer um, even when I was like eight. So mm -hmm. I kind of drew towards that and I pivoted and became a uh, computer science and psychology major, really focused and interested in user interface design, that sort of stuff. It's the, the more bigger umbrella is called human computer interaction. And so I, I thought I really wanted to do UX design, user experience, user interface design. And then when it time came time to get a job, you know, I wasn't ready to leave Burlington and there were not a lot of UX UI positions available. And, you know, I, I took the next best, the next best thing I could find of how to mold and how to combine sort of this psych uh, background I have with the computer science technical aspect and that looked like digital marketing. Yeah, that, that's awesome. So one thing I want to call out to you is I, I, I love that you had the self-awareness. You know, when you when you tried the the psychology, the, the therapist route, so first of all, you tried it, right. but then you recognized, okay, maybe this isn't quite the, the set of skills. I think that's important, again, for both students and alumni. It's, it's you just, you have to have that self-awareness. You have to try different things. And so kudos to you for making that transition, recognizing that, you know, two of the biggest parts of, of what that entailed, you weren't the best at, and then you pivoted into, into something else. So did you take any time off during school? I did. And I took about a year and a half off to my junior and senior year, just because I was getting really burnt out. I didn't really know what I wanted to be doing and just like really not focusing on why I was there. You know, we're spending, right. some people are spending 40 grand a year to, to attend university and you don't really appreciate that at the time. And luckily I, I had some semblance to be like, I am just wasting my money, my parents' money, the government's money. Maybe I should take a step back here. And it ended up being huge. You know, I, I went back to Florida. I worked a bunch of jobs. I sort of brought myself into this mind space where I didn't have any distractions. You know, I spent the last three years building a social life and the community for myself and then totally removed myself from that. And it just sort of stripped away a bunch of distractions. And that's when I realized, all right, I need to sort of dial in and take this a little more seriously. And then when I came back, my GPA went from a 2.7 to a 3, 3 whatever. So it was, it was pretty foundational. One thing I did want to touch on to your point, though, about trying new, trying things in college, especially at a place like UVM, it doesn't matter what your 
major or your <clears throat> your career interests, it is such a safe space and a sandbox to try anything. They have robotics labs. They have, you know, sports management departments. You can <clears throat> sort of be athletic trainers. You can try pretty much everything if you look for it. And they're there to help you. I can't emphasize enough. Just go for it. And the stakes are so low for failure that, like, if even if you bomb horribly, well, you can just get up the next day and do something else. You know, you're not locked into a job. Like, it is such an awesome opportunity and, and for four years of opportunity for people to play around with. Right. And I, I think that that's a really good point because, you know, a lot of students I see don't take advantage of the opportunities that are in front of them because I think college is just so new and there's just so much of the social aspect. So I find it, again, you had the self-awareness to recognize while you were in school that you weren't being productive. You removed yourself from the situation. There's one thing I want to touch on, but before I do on that, I think just to reiterate what you're saying here is for students, you're in an amazing time because you're 18 to 22, 23, 24. You really can try a lot of different things. Join different clubs. I know I personally, I didn't join any clubs. I didn't do any of that. And now I find myself because when you start working a nine to five and 40 hours a week, and as we both know, that turns into 50, 60 hours a week, your, your time to try things gets pretty limited. And the nice thing about being a college student, if you want to try graphic design, you can go to a local business and say, hey, I'm a student. The second that you say you're a student, they let their guard down. They're like, all right, this isn't just someone trying to sell me something. You can go out and build a portfolio. And, you know, I, I've told students to do that quite a bit. So I, I you know, and I don't see it happening, but I, I think that's a great point. And no one's going to turn down what they perceive as free or cheap work. Right. And a lot of places, especially in a community like Burlington, you know, we're really fortunate. People want to help each other. And so there's always opportunities for that. I, I can't stress that enough. I think that's huge. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting too. our our alumni, the University of Vermont Alumni Network, I found is immensely helpful. People are willing to connect. You and I are sitting here doing this podcast. It's a big part of my inspiration to do it. And so I think we'll dive into that uh, a little later in in more detail. But one thing that, you know, I, I found interesting is you removed yourself from that social scene. Did your friends at the time have any feedback? Like, did you go to them and say, hey, everybody, I, I've got to go back to Florida. I've got to figure my stuff out. Was was there anything like that or did you just totally. go? No, I mean, I mean, I, there was so much of that and I was just blowing it. And, you know, thank God I had the ability to be like, all right, how down the drain do I want to go before I like cut this and, and sort of move on? But it was super hard. You know, I was going to, it was going into my senior year. I had amazing friends. I still have today. I had a girlfriend at the time that, you know, I'm sure many people can relate to this when you're in it. You're like, Oh, this is the best thing. I'll never find anything else. Like it can be extremely hard to pull away from that. But you know, I'm, I'm super lucky. I had a really supportive parents who were also not very coddly. They were like, yeah, your relationship means nothing. Your friends are going to be your friends. And if they ditch you because of this, they're not your friends anyways. Slash like you just, you keep messing, you keep getting in trouble. Like, you're obviously running away from something. Let's take some time to think about what that is. And I'm just, I'm happy that I did, you know, and that I didn't fight it more. I'm happy that you're on this podcast and I appreciate your transparency because I think a lot of people in general need, need to hear a story like this. It's just, it's impressive because it is so difficult to pick your head up and understand maybe the context of your situations, not allowing you to see the truth. Totally. So, I think the lesson for, for again, it, I keep saying both students and alumni because it really does apply, but 
you know, having that self-awareness, but also if there's something that, you know, I remember being in college and my, like, I would, I really would be influenced by my peers. And luckily I had a lot of good friends, but it's okay to do the things that you want to do. If you want to start a podcast like this one, if you want to go to the debate club, do not let anybody tell you, you know, what to do. This is, this is sort of your time and and your opportunity. Um, so, so moving on from that, so, so you come back to the university of Vermont, you know, after a year and a half, can you just talk about, you know, she, she came back, you came back obviously into the same major and can you just start to talk about, you know, wh- where did you go after that? Yeah. Right? So the, the, and it was a completely different landscape because at that point, all of my friends or the, you know, I would say 85% of them had graduated, right. They'd had their senior year, they'd moved on. Um, you know, it, it's becoming a trend where, I mean, if you can find a job in Burlington, this as I'm sure as students and alumni know, or and get to know, like this is an incredible place to live, but it can be challenging. So people leave. Um, so my landscape looked very different. And the first thing I did was, you know, during my time off, I had gotten really involved with uh, outdoor education. Part of me thought I wanted to switch to that. But I also was like, you know what, mm, I love that I can do that on my own. I can still be outside. Why don't I continue with this track? I'm, I'm about to be a senior, let's just finish up with computer science. But in order to sort of fulfill that passion, I joined the outing club and, you know, met an entire new network of people. I started working again before I left. And then when I came back, I was actually rally cat for a couple of years, which was super fun. So that was a whole nother area of school and people I got to meet outside of my major, right? Like the computer science department, I don't want to put anybody in a box, but there are times where the networking is great professionally, but you know, I always had other interests. I was very active, uh, very active with the social life. And that doesn't always play out when you're stuck in a computer lab programming until like two in the morning when you only get your inspiration at like midnight. So I had to really recreate that, find new friends and really just put my head down and learn. Uh, Honestly, in some ways it was fantastic because I didn't have as much a distraction. And I still had some really great friends in town that I could bounce things off of that were, you know, just one step ahead of me. They had entered into their professional career in some capacity. So it was great talking to them. And then, you know, so after the first semester, I sort of realized, all right, cool. I'm going to graduate need to start looking for a job. And that's when I went absolute gangbusters on just taxing my network. Anybody I knew in town who could help me, I was hitting up for coffee, hitting up for a meeting. Um, and eventually one of my good friends told me about dealer.com, which, you know, anybody in town, if you haven't heard of it, at some point you will, they're one of the major employers and they did not have a job for me at the time. But what I did and, and as I, found out who the recruiter and hiring manager was for the role that I wanted and basically harassed them for 90 days. Uh, anytime I'd see them out downtown, I'd be like, Hey, Ilka, like what's going on with that job? You got that job for me. And just, you know, not in like an aggressive pestering way, but more in like a, a fun, amicable, but also very persistent way of just being like, Hey, I'm serious. Hey, I'm here. Hey, I'm still here. And then finally she was like, Oh my God, we will get you a job. Like, Stop it. And I started my first day at dealer.com the day after my last final. And then next thing I know, I'm I'm at dealer starting a six year career there. Yeah. That's awesome. So first of all, you were rally cat. I'm so pumped that I got a rally cat onto to this podcast. So again, your story, when I look at it from the outside, it's just so awesome. And I'm so pumped for you and, and for your future. I, I just I say that because not again, it's what I would love to see students do. And even alumni is try things that scare you. And, and, you know, again, 
you're a mascot. Like that's who, I mean, how many people, I wish I did that in college. It was insane. It it was such a great, I mean, that's literally how I made my, my beer money. I, and the way I got the job was literally, I was just walking through campus and I think it was in my first or second week, freshman year. They had like a jobs fair outside of the Davis center. And in between all these different companies, tiny, tiny table with a little tarp over it that says, do you have what it takes to be rally cat? And I walked up and I was like, I think so. And they're like, okay, you're hired. And that was, it started as a work study job and then progressed into something else. But the point being there, like they make it so easy for you to succeed as a student. There are resources for everything from finding part-time jobs to getting tutoring, to meeting new people. Like all you got to do is get up off the couch and get out of your dorm and walk around campus, have some semblance of a plan. Maybe you don't even know what you're looking for, but You'll find it. It's all there. Just leave the dorm room. If if you want to go, I know it's hard, but leave the dorm room and, and go seek those opportunities. So I want to just dive in a little bit more because I know students come back to me a lot of the time. When you say that you tax your network, could you talk about, you know, like maybe one story or just one example of when you went to get coffee, how did you find the person? What kind of email or LinkedIn message did you write that person? And then what kind of questions did you try to bring to that meeting to make it successful? Yeah. So I think what's nice and, and, you know, I personally, and you know me, I'm a pretty outgoing guy. Um, but what I've found with people through my, through my experience, both personally and professionally is that for the most part, people want to help you, you know, it feels good to help another person. So people are very willing to, if you just ask. And so what I would do is I would identify something I was looking for, whether it was a job or just career advice. And I would look through my network and look at somebody who's either in doing what I want to do or did what I want to do, or was in a position to help me, you know, especially in the age of technology with LinkedIn and stuff like you, if you're at any company, you can look through your network and find people who work there, find alumni from your school. Maybe you belong to some sort of club back from your hometown that they're also part of. And you just go through that and you put the bat signal out and you're like, hey, I am looking for X, Y, and Z. How can you help me? And just sort of being really humble and being like, hey, I'm so appreciative of your time, you know, and just being clear about what you want. The the more decisive and the more, you know, I, I hate to say the word clear again, but the, the clearer you are with your expectations and what you want, your desires, the easier it's going to be for somebody to help you. Um, and unless that person is just truly not in the not in the mood they're going to help you. And that person, if they don't, they weren't the right person anyways. But yeah, going through your your network and just the only way you build that network, especially at a smaller school like UVM, is getting out of your day-to-day social circle, joining clubs, taking random jobs like Rally Cat. You know, I, I also worked in a at Cook Commons for a year and a half. You know, just doing literally anything different. Going downtown, you know, if you're involved or you're interested in civil engineering, going to the Burlington Housing Authority, like joining a board, interning somewhere, doing literally anything will help expand your network so that by the time you're ready to look for a job or look for a next job or, you know, start something, you've got more people in this opportunity pool to sort of draw from. When you say be clear about what you want, that's the number one thing be concise, be short, be humble and reach out because I, I still do it. I still reach out to alumni and they've, they've been so amazing. And I would love to hear a story about a student listening to this podcast and reaching out to Harrison Wolf on LinkedIn and doing it well and getting coffee and building that. But it's one step at a time, leaving the dorm room, go do different activities, go interact with the town. Because one of the advantages of Burlington is that 
you know, it's small enough where people do want to help and you can get in touch with virtually anybody. And yeah. so, it, here's, you know, here's the other dirty secret fun. too, for anybody listening. If you ask, if you're, especially if you're a student or you're unemployed seeking a next job, if you ask someone, Hey, can I buy you coffee? Chances are they're going to buy the coffee for you. They, you know, they've got the job, yes. you know, like don't be afraid. People really, especially here in Burlington, people want to help you so bad. It's, it's true, dude. You, I, so it's funny. I, I, I hope a future guest, but a founder of a company, I offered to buy him coffee and, and he ended up buying me the, the coffee. So you couldn't be more right there. So I think, you know, you've got this incredible story so far and, you know, it's, it's, we sort of gloss over a little bit at, at a high level. You've you worked at dealer.com for six years. Yep. So that's pretty impressive. It's one of the top tech companies. You were very persistent and that is also big is, you know, don't give up. I think students on the under end, other end of the spectrum, the ones who get straight A's are the ones who thinks, you know, come easily to them. The, it's really important to remember that you, there's going to be job rejections. There's going to be periods where you can't find anything or you don't get the promotion and you have to be persistent, but you get into deal.com. You're, you're there for six years. Can you talk a little bit about like that experience and the roles that you held there? Yeah, totally. So, you know, coming out of college with a computer science degree on paper should have looked for a software engineering role, but was quickly realizing that, you know, I wasn't the strongest coder in a room. I had other soft skills of personable, the ability to communicate, the ability to listen, and a couple of these other, you know, business-oriented skills that some of my peers didn't have. And so I was like, you know what, I'm going to take a step back from software engineering. I still was really passionate about UX design and user interface design. So I was like, all right, what's the best way to get to know your customers and how they're going to interact with your platform? Talking to them every day. So I found an entry-level role for account management, as we talked about, was, you know, really persistent in getting that and started there. About a year and a half in, uh, there was a promotion available for what was our major accounts or strategic accounts at the time. And I was very underqualified on paper, but I, you know, believe in myself. I, I sort of fake it till you make it mentality as well. And I went for it. And then from there, uh, I got it and did that role for another two years. And during that time, it was challenging. You know, you, you, I burned out. I was, I felt myself burning out again. I was not super fulfilled with the work I was doing. I need to get closer to the UX design thing or the UI design that I wanted to be doing. And at the time, and everybody will sort of experience this if you haven't already, things change. You know, I no longer was as interested in UX and UI and was more, I had heard about this role in software engineering called product owner that sort of is the bridge between the people who have the idea and the people who actually build it. And I was like, oh, that's perfect. I have a technical background and understanding of how things work, but also the communication skills to sort of be the bridge. I had been approached by our sales department a couple of times. They're like, hey, like you would do good at this. You know, the product, you can really, you can schmooze, whatever. And it always been like, nah, nah, no thanks. But then I just was desperate to get out of the account management role I was in. So I took it and did sales for really two and a half years. And, you know, it was awesome. Only in the sense that you're talking to people from a whole new area. Anytime you can be within a big company like that and you can sort of jump over to a new division or new department of it, gives you a whole new perspective. You're looking at the service or the product in a whole new way. You're meeting new people, right? Dealer.com has... 12, 1300 people in the building in Burlington. And if you're only interfacing with 10 of them, 20 of them at a time, like how much of your network are you missing out on? 
the other piece to the sales thing that I would say, you know, like, look, people have their connotations and their assumptions about sales. It's irrelevant. The reality is if you can do it and you can do it well, you can make really good money, which allows you, and, and I'll get to this as part of my next step. It allows you a sort of financial platform and, you know, resources to do whatever else you want. If there's something you're more interested in. And I think that's really important. I personally would say everybody should have a job that they don't necessarily love, but that pays them well so that they can then take a step back and do something they love that might not pay as much. And then on the way out, I sort of was getting ready to leave Burlington. I was, I was sort of, you know, I kept trying to get back to this engineering role, this product owner role at dealer and the positions just weren't showing up. And at the time they were actually on a hiring freeze for engineering. And I was like, all right, I'm done. I can't do this. So I was getting ready to leave. I was looking at jobs out West. And then uh, a mutual friend, a guy I actually knew from a local bar, Manhattan's Pizza Pub, shout out to them, hit me up on Facebook and was like, hey, there's this small boutique bike brand that needs digital marketing help. And I had become in the last couple of years, super into mountain biking, bikes of all kinds. And I was like, sure, I'll talk to them. And then very quickly found it was totally different from dealer dealer is this big company and this bike brand uh there were four people at so it was kind of startupy. and i was like this is exciting you know i can really see my impact i can make a difference i have full control of the direction and i jumped ship and i went to that and it was in burlington i did that for the last six or so months um unfortunately that company didn't pan out the ran into a working capital issue, which for anybody who doesn't know what that means, basically means they didn't have enough money to cover operating expenses. We tried to bring a new e-bike to market. E-bike is awesome. I have one, but just super high-end, like niche product that just didn't pan out. Um, and so now I'm currently doing a bunch of odd jobs and looking for my next employment gig, which we can talk about uh, a little more as well. Yeah, for sure. So I, you know, You've had a great career. Again, the self-awareness to recognize, okay, this might not be the right thing. You know, you had a job. First, I think everybody should, you know, we're all in sales anyway. And so I think a sales job really helps teach you those skills. And so it did, you know, and that's that's a good way to look at it. And, you know, I think there's going to be a time when when you let, you know, I mean, for some people, maybe not, but you're going to work a job that you don't like. It's going to teach you to figure out what you like and what you don't like. But if you're making good money, that's, you know, don't let that be the thing that handcuffs you to it. Let that be the thing that motivates you to, to put something away to then go start your own thing or, or, or do whatever that is. Before we dive into your next steps, because I'm really curious about that, could yeah. you describe, like, how did you know when you talk about burnout, what were some of the signs for you and, and how did you know, okay, that this is becoming burnout for me, Harrison, and this is how I define it. And, and this is, you know, when it hit this point, that's what I needed to move. Totally. I felt like I had, and there's this interesting, um, concept of the golden handcuffs where you know you're making so much money you're sort of stuck there but you're you're miserable you're you're contracted 40 hours a week i was maybe doing a strong 20 hours of actual work and then just the la- the next 20 the last 20 hours i was just sitting at my desk to sit at my desk which was miserable and that is not the kind of guy i am so then i would just start leaving early which is not awesome and i'd be like what do you want my work's done then I started getting an attitude with people. Then I started pulling away from everybody and was like, I don't like what I'm doing. You guys can't help me here, whatever. And I just became sort of toxic to be around. Um, I'd go in, I'd do my work. I, I went from being this like happy, outgoing person to just being really bitter and being like, forget this. This is doing nothing. I don't care. Can't wait to get out. 
Um, and I just sort of realized like I was the worst version of myself for 20 to 40 hours a week. And that sucks. So I was like, man, I got to do something else. You know, this, I'm in such a small bubble here. I'm at just one company in one town. There's a whole world out there. Well, let's start exploring. I can't be doing this forever. And quite frankly, I had done well in sales and had the, the platform and the, and the resources to take a step back and be like, you know what, maybe I'm not going to find work immediately, but I can chill for a couple months. Um, and my rule of thumb on that was you got to do like a serious real budget, like not just rent, food, gas, but like how much does Spotify cost me each month? What does my gym cost me? And I looked at my expenses and I put away and like, what is my student loans? If you've got that, my car payment, all that jazz, everything. And I'd put away three months of savings to where I was like, all right, I can effectively quit, travel, do whatever I want. I think I wanted to build out a sleeper platform in my Subaru and just sort of like go mountain biking for the summer. And that was actually going to be my plan. And then I would just land somewhere. But this bike uh, job presented itself. So I just pivoted. But yeah, burnout for me just looked like recognizing that I was not learning anything anymore. I just wasn't willing to help. I wasn't engaging in conversations. I was getting really frustrated in meetings every single day and was just like, this, this is just not healthy or productive for my growth. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you sharing that. I think it's, again, like you, you, I think your superpower is, is that awareness. And so people, you need to watch out for those types of things and be honest with yourself because so many people, and you know, maybe you're a student and you don't, if you don't like your major and you're not happy with the classes you're walking into and you're starting to feel the same way as Harrison, like that's where you have to be honest with yourself first. And then you can be honest with others and you can and find the right opportunities. So, so, okay. So now, you know, you, you did this bike thing and you know, they, they, you know, now you're, now you're done with that, right? It didn't work out, but again, it's great that you tried it. You got into that, you know, smaller environment. So, you know, with what's next, I mean, what are you doing today to, you know, with your network, where are you think you like, what, talk to me about that process. Yeah. And, so it's been pretty interesting. So, you know, I, I actually ended up getting laid off. They were like, we don't have the money to pay your payroll anymore. Like we can't pay your salary. And I was like, Oh, great. Well, not shocked because I knew the health of the company. So I'd already sort of been putting feelers out and going back to my original plan of moving out West. But the timing of it caught me off guard. So this happened right before Thanksgiving. And then I went home for Thanksgiving to my family and they're like, how's work? I'm like, it's great. Also, I got laid off. So it's not, you know, that great. Um, and so that was like a, a fun time to just sort of chill with the family and sort of regroup. But what I'm doing now is, you know, after having worked at a big tech company, quote unquote, big a dealer, then going to sort of startup, I now know that I want, the stability and the structure of a bigger, more established company. I'm not as interested and this is just personal for me, not as interested in a startup. So I am looking for, and I, I'm, I am determined to get an engineering role. I'm, I'm moving away from the marketing. I'm moving away from the, the sort of UX UI design stuff. I went and recently took a, an engineering certification class for, for product ownership, this role that we talked about, um, and that's the sort of jobs I'm looking at. And so what I'm doing is these things take time, right? Especially applying to something like, you know, if, if we're talking like Amazon, Microsoft, something like that, right? These jobs can be filled in two weeks or it can take 12 weeks. So in the interim, got to have an income. And this is where I've really tapped into my network. I've lived in Burlington for about 10 years now. And, you know, all through college, I always had side gigs. You know, I, I catered for the farmhouse group. In the summers, by the way, if you're a college student listening, 
catering is the move. You not only get great money it's once a week, you just do a wedding in the summers. It's awesome money. You get a ton of food and you meet so many people. So can't, can't recommend that enough. But basically what I did is now I'm doing odd jobs. I am working at the airport. I am literally throwing bags onto an airplane. I have a master's in engineering and a bachelor's in computer science. Doesn't matter. I've got a job that pays me and the perks for the airport are actually awesome. Free travel. If anyone's interested in that, you basically just fly standby on any on the airline you work for. So I'm doing that. Because of all the time I spent with farmhouse catering, I was able to very quickly slide into a bartending gig at El Cortijo Winooski, if you didn't know that exists. Um, and I am emceeing trivia nights. So basically just finding really low commitment uh, odd jobs to sort of support rent and food and bills and all that stuff we talked about while I bang out resumes and cover letters. Today, when we get off this this chat, I'm gonna go to the gym, I'm gonna come back and I've basically turned my living room into my little war zone, my little war room, and I'm just gonna bang out resumes and cover letters to big tech companies out in Portland and Seattle. That's awesome. I, I Again, like I, I keep saying it over and over, but I, I think it's so great that you're able to take the step back, you're able to have the discipline with the budget, you're able to reach back out into that network and take the odd jobs and, I think talking about emceeing trivia nights and being rally cat are really add to your story. And so when you do go apply for those jobs, I think those are funny things that maybe they come up and cause that that's, it's different. Right. And you're someone who's not afraid to take that step. And, you know, maybe an alumni will listen to this podcast and say, you know what, Harrison's a, a person I want to get in touch with to talk about a role. That would be really cool. So I think as we, as we wrap this thing up, you know, we've talked about a lot. I appreciate you being so transparent. I think, it's great that you're taking the time to figure out what you want to do because you, you have time. It's okay. You don't always need to have the job, the title. You can take time to do what's right for you and you're living it. So I, I think that that's great. Is there anything else that you wanted to bring up or mention or advice for students or anything like that before we hop off? Totally. I mean, I think the biggest thing that helped me and things I've seen with my friends and conversations I've had with them is, when you're in this, when you're in the, you know, what we call like the sort of the valley of despair, when you're stressed out and you don't know what you're doing, you're not happy, you're not satisfied, just take, and it sounds so cliche and corny, but like take a breath, go for a hike, go for a walk. Your world is not ending, especially as a student trying to figure it out. It's okay to fail. It's okay to switch your major six times. It's okay to take a step back, take a year off. Like life goes on especially at a point where, you know, when you're a student or when you're, you're a new grad and just starting your career, you don't have a family and you, maybe you do, but if you don't have a family to support, you know, you don't have insane, like a mortgage to pay, like you've got really low risk. So take chances. I mean, so you've got really low, like, you know, obligations. So take some risks, you know, fail, try something new, try everything. And just the only other thing I would say is, do everything you can to build a network, get odd jobs, join clubs, just get out and meet people because you never know how they're going to be able to help you, whether they know somebody that can help you, whether they can help you directly. You know, you are your network, especially in the first sort of decade of your career. That's going to be so powerful and helpful for you. And if you don't have people to reach out to, you're kind of screwed. Relationships take time to build. And if you wait until you're, you know, oh, wait a minute, I got to find a job. I got to go build relationships now. It's going to be too late. So I think starting that early. And again, jobs like catering, they teach you how to talk to people. They teach you the small talk. A big question I get from students is, well, how do I do 
those coffee chats? How do I do those phone chats? Well, it, it's think about the interactions that you have if you're a waiter or a waitress or you're doing catering or you're a bartender. Like that, that small talk's really going to help go a long way. So, Harrison, I really enjoyed our conversation. I would love to have you back on here in a year to see sort of how things have panned out and worked out for you. Yeah, that'd be great. Time and, uh, you know, I'll talk to you soon. Sounds good, John. Have a good rest of your day. All right, man. You too. See ya. Thank you for listening to the second episode of How We Got Here, the UVM podcast. Make sure to subscribe because we're going to have lots of new episodes coming in the near future. And if you have an alumni that you would like to recommend to join this podcast, please, please, please consider emailing me at Tori. T-O-R-R-E-Y dot Jonathan, J-O-N-A-T-H-A-N at gmail.com to set up an introduction. Have a great day.